I had it all planned out, all set up. But as we know, uh, the Bible says, in his mind, a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So I uh, have got my sermon there ready for us. But I felt this morning led to a passage. I think there's a bit of an echo. Turn me down slightly, please. I felt led to a passage in Ezekiel 37, and it reads, The hand of the Lord came upon me, and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And they were indeed very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. And again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to the bones, surely I'll cause the breath to enter into you and you shall live. Surely I will cause the breath to enter into you and you shall live. Father, we come to you this morning we come to worship you, Lord, and we come to give you all the honor, to give you all the glory and all the praise. Lord, you are high and lifted up. You are exalted on high. You are the king of glory. We come, Lord God, as we are. We ask, Lord God, to come and have your way, Lord God, among us. Lord, as we come this morning, we ask you, Lord God, to speak to us, O oh Father, for, Lord, it is about you. It is about your glory, Lord God. It is about your name being lifted on high. Lord, I want to lift everyone that is in the congregation this morning, oh Father, that they will meet with you, Lord, in a mighty way, in a way, Lord God, that they have not seen or heard before, Father. I pray, Lord God, that you'll touch hearts, Lord God, that you'll heal broken hearts, Lord God, you'll heal the sick, Lord God, you'll heal the wounded, oh God, because, Lord, that's what you do. You want to set your people free. Lord, I want to pray this morning. I pray, oh Father, over those, Lord God, that are suffering, Lord God, from fear, that, Lord God, they will be set free. Because, Lord, you say you have not given us the spirit of fear, but you have, give, you have given us, Lord God, the spirit of power and a sound mind. So, Lord, I pray that, Lord God, they will rise up, O oh Father, and take on that power and take on that boldness, O oh Lord God, so they can stand for you, O oh God. That's what you've called us to be, to be the watchmen of the city, to be the watchwomen of the city. So, Lord, I want to lift everyone to you, O oh Lord God. I ask, Lord God, that as I bring your word this morning, O oh Father, that, Lord God, you will use me, O oh God. Lord, let everything that I've planned, Lord God, which is my way, O oh God, I ask, Lord God, that you will put it aside, O oh God, and, Lord, your will will be preached. Your truth, Lord God, will be taught this morning. Lord, I ask you to give me the boldness I ask, Lord God, to speak to us that, Lord, our hearts will be receptive to your word. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. 
I thank you, Lord, that you are exalted on high. You said, whatever we ask in your name and believe, we have received. And Lord, you said, oh, Father, in your word, that your word will not return back to you void without accomplishing every purpose for which you sent it. So I pray, Lord, that your word will accomplish every purpose, Lord God, this morning. And that through it, Lord God, your children will be set free. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Good morning, church. How are we this morning? It is a privilege to be in front of you this morning and share the word of God. Like I said, uh, I, had, I had all planned out that this is what I was going to do, but uh, God has obviously has his way and has led me to that passage in Hezekiel. Um, we live in the city of Chester or in the surrounding of Chester, and we see a lot that is going on around us. We have been called, we have demanded to be watchmen and watchwomen of the city. And it is our responsibility to ensure that we bring people to light. So some say the dry bones that Ezekiel is talking about here were not actually physical dry bones, but it was the children of Israel that had gone away from the Lord. City, the city of Chester is a city that's loved so much by God. And there is so much resistance in the city of Chester because of the potential that is in Chester, because of the power that will come out of Chester when we obey when we turn away from our wicked ways and pray to the Lord. He says he will give us the nations. And he can't go and give us the nations without giving us Chester first. So revival must come from Chester. And we are going to bring about that revival. Who wants to join with me in the revival? Brilliant. Do you know where revival starts? It starts in the heart. It starts in prayer. So I want to see all of you in the prayer meeting because you've said you want to join me. So in a fortnight when we have our next prayer meeting here, I want to see you all here. Okay. Uh, moving on to the book of Acts. Those of you that were here last week, or those that have listened to the podcast, will remember that Keith uh, spoke from X5, from X15, 5 to 22. In summary, he taught about how God has removed the barriers of separation. And this was done through grace, not through the law of Moses. And it was by receiving the word and the grace of God that the Gentiles were counted 
within the Jews in the Christian faith. But we heard that there were some Pharisees or Judaizers, is that what you called it? Judaizers, yeah, that were coming about and confusing people, telling the Gentiles that they needed to be circumcised in order to be part of the Christian faith. And a couple of weeks ago, those of you that might have been here, Andy spoke to us about how the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So he does that by planting all sorts of uh, seeds into people's minds. So the circumcision, this issue of circumcision, could be one example of where the enemy is planting that, that people need to be sticking into doing what the law says. But Jesus came so that we may have life and that we have life in abundance. So even today, we know there are people that are out there that are teaching false doctrine. They are quoting the scripture and they are using it. They are twisting the scripture and using it so that it fits with their gospel that they are preaching, which is not the gospel of truth. And if we remember very well in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 4, the enemy comes to Jesus and he uses all sorts of uh, scripture in the context that fits him. So if we look at Luke chapter 4, verse 9, for example, the devil, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so you'll not strike a foot against a stone. Is that not in scripture? It is in scripture. So if someone comes to you and says, this is what the Bible says, and you look at your situation, if you have not taken time to read the Bible and get to know the truth for yourself, then you will take that, that word for its face value. You'll take it out of context. But Jesus answered him and he said, it is also written, do not put the Lord God to test. So if Jesus was not God and he did not know the scriptures, he probably would have jumped because that's what the enemies told him, that jump and you'll be caught by the angels. So what am I getting at? Jesus knew how the scripture was written. That, that scripture that I read comes from Psalm 91. It's written in Psalm 91. And Jesus knew the context of it. He was the word, and he is still the word today. He's got full knowledge of the scripture. How many times have you had people twisting scripture to justify their sin? I've had many a time people that were caught stealing, they said in their defense, 
but it is written, God helps those that help themselves. But I've not seen that in the Bible. It might be true, but that's not how it's meant. If you go out and look for work and, and do things and, and plant seed, God will help you to reap a harvest. It doesn't say we have to go out and steal, but people will twist the words of the Bible so that they justify their sin. So in order for us to be able to deal with the enemy's lies, we need to know the truth. In Hosea chapter 6, the Bible tells us that my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. It says, because you have, re you have rejected knowledge, I, also re I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of God, I'll also forget your children. What this means is, if you do not want to pursue knowledge, then you are rejecting that knowledge and you are basically perishing in your ignorance. Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 32 said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So likewise, back in the day, the Pharisees, there were people who were teaching the wrong doctrine. There are people today that are teaching the wrong doctrine. If we don't take time to learn the scriptures, if we don't take time to indulge in the presence of God, we will be led to believe what is not true. Because the enemy, the Bible says, he prowls like a roaring lion, seeking those who he can devour. That's in 1 Peter 5 verse 8. So what that means is he knows all the ways to twist the truth. The Bible says when he speaks lies, he's speaking his native language. So it's like second nature to him. He knows how to, to, to twist the truth and get people confused. But we need to pursue the truth. We need to be reading the word. We need to spe be spending time in the presence of God, seeking to hear from the Lord. And when we do that, we will know the truth. And that truth is not just for us. It is also for those that are around us. Many people will not have the opportunity to go to the church or to read the Bible but they will have an opportunity to be around you. They'll have an opportunity to see how you live. Christian means Christ-like. So is, is your life representing the Christ that is in you? Is what you are doing out there portraying the life of a Christian? We know what the, the world is like. And we are led to live in, poli in political correctness. 
how do you fit that into your Christian lifestyle? Are you sticking to what the world is telling you? Or are you sticking to what the truth is telling you? So my bit on X is from verse 22 to verse 35. Then it seemed good to the, to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Bar- Barsabas and Silas leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers both, the apostles and the elders to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we we have given them no instructions, it seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they sent them, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its great encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So we've seen the confusion that the Judaizers were causing to the church as a whole. And here we see the elders of the church choosing two men who they are sending off with Paul and Barnabas to go and deliver the letter. So we're going to look at what the intention of the letter is. First of all, the letter is to bring clarity after the confusion that has been brought about by these Pharisees. Jesus had warned that we ought to be watchful for false prophets. So he says that in Matthew 7 from 15 to 19, he says, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even every good tree bears good fruit, but bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Over the Christmas period, I happened to speak to someone uh, they are in South Africa, and they were tell- from time to time, that person sends me Bible verses. So from what I know, uh, they have not really given their life to Christ. So I was having a chat with them and asking them, what, where exactly do you stand in your walk with Christ? 
and say, you say, what do you mean by that? I say, have you given your life to Christ? And says, well, I, I do read the Bible from time to time, and I know that there is the creator. So I said, well, you need to make that commitment to give your life to Christ. And once you've done that, you then need to find yourself a Bible-based church and make sure you worship there. And he said, well, there is a, a, a lot of churches that have come up over the last couple of years, and how am I going to know which is the right one? So many people around here are asking, how am I going to know which is the right church? But I did say earlier on, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And it also says here that by their works, you shall know them. So when we know the truth, when we know what to expect, then we will know which, which is the right place to go to, which is the right church that we are called to be in. It's not only by listening, but it is having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, having that relationship with God that then creates that atmosphere of you knowing the truth, that creates an atmosphere of you being able to walk in the Spirit and to walk with God. Coming to church on a Sunday will feed you to a certain extent. But what about the other six days? You need to be spending time in your Bible, spending time getting to know God. So looking back at Acts chapter 15, verse 1, it says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And these men were teaching their doctrine based on the law. But Romans 10 says, For Moses writes about righteousness of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteous of faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put into shame. So the scripture is very clear in this case on how we come to be saved. It's neither by works nor by the law of Moses. It is through believing with your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. But the Judaizers are bringing circumcision into the picture to burden the Gentiles. So the chosen men come 
to deliver the good news of grace, which tells that the Gentile, it tells the Gentile that Christianity is about believing with your heart and confessing with your mouth. And when we look at Acts 15 verse 21, it sums it all and it sums it very well. It says, for the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in synagogues every Sabbath. So what does that tell us? Jesus came to give us grace, but he did not come to abolish the law. The law still stands. But he says in Matthew 5, 17, do not think I came to destroy the law of the prophets or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one, one jot or one little will be, one title will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Who therefore breaks one of the lists of this commandment and teaches men so shall be called list in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees. You'll, be, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So, the law is still there, but it does not govern us because we are living under the grace. We know what the law says we need to do, but we are not doing it because we are living under grace. So if you are under grace, you cannot go and murder. You cannot go and steal and say, because I'm no longer under the law. So automatically being under grace put, puts us above the law because we know what the law says and we, don't, we do not need to be bound by it. You know what the grace did on the cross. We have been washed by the blood and we have been redeemed from our sins. So what the Judaizers are bringing here is burdening the new believers with the law. When you first come into Christianity, there are a lot of things that you hear or be told. And as a church, we need to be careful what we are saying. We need to know that we are under grace. We are no longer under the law. The law is not obsolete, but we have been set free. Galatians 5 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be no, of no value to you at all. Again, I declare, every man who lets himself be circumcised is obligated to obey the whole law. 
You are trying to justify, to be justified by the law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So what, what the Bible is telling us here is that our salvation is not by works. It is by the grace of God. There's nothing, absolutely nothing that we can do to make Christ love us more. And there's nothing that we can do that can make Christ love us less. Because Christ died on the cross for one and for all. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So secondly, the letter signifies the authority of the apostles within the church. When the issue first arised, Paul and Barnabas went back to the elders and the apostles. And the apostles and the elders met in the church to discuss the way forward. So likewise, in our present day, we have got Christ Central, Christ Central, which we are part of, and we have got Jeremy and other apostolic leaders that lead us. So wherever there is any issues, Keith will take those to the apostolic leaders and they will guide him on which way he needs to take. And the same applies if there are issues within freedom, Keith and the eldership team will sit down and discuss those issues. And what is the role of the eldership team? Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's suffering who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to save. Not lording over those entrusted you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So the leadership team or the church elders are there set by God as the shepherds of God's flock. It is not that they are there for financial gain, but they are accountable for the finances of the church. They are accountable for the growth of the church. They are accountable for the well-being of the church. So we need to be looking up to them and knowing that they are accountable. They have got the accountability over the church. And thirdly, the letter brings encouragement and encouragement to the believers. So it says Judas and Silas stayed for some time encouraging the believers. As a church, we need to be supporting the cause of the church. There are different things that we can get involved in to encourage other believers. We have a church plant in crew, for example. We can pray for them. That's good. But we can go over there and encourage them from time to time. 
because the fact that they are in crew does not mean they are separate from us. We are one body at the end of the day. There is churches around Chester. We are one church, one purpose. We need to be coming together and doing things together. I mentioned about the prayer earlier on. Every Sunday morning, we meet before the service to pray. It will really be nice to see the numbers grow. It will be nice to see that room overflowing. It will be nice to see people coming to the prayer meeting in the evenings. I know it might not always be possible to attend every prayer meeting, but from time to time, that brings encouragement to the church. And besides, in the prayer room, it's where everything is birthed. It might be you know someone that is going through stuff, and you just need to take time and support that person and be there for that person. When was the last time that you met with someone just to have a catch-up? Remember, James says, faith without action is dead. He says, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. So, are my deeds showing my faith? How alive is your faith? So in, in closing, I want to look at Romans 8 from verse 1 to 4. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but walk according to the spirit. So we have been set free by Christ. But my question is, do you know this Jesus? Do you know him personally or do you know about him? There are people that know about Jesus, that teach about Jesus, but they do not know him on a personal level. So, if you know about him but do not know him intimately, I'd like to give you an opportunity to come to know him. We mentioned earlier that it is by confessing with your mouth and believing with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord that gives you that vital introduction that you need to have the intimacy with Jesus. So if you've not made that commitment before, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you a chance to do that. 
So as I, as I ask the worship team to come back up, it might be you are sitting there and you say, I've made that, that commitment, but things have not gone the way I thought. I'm not sure if I am in the right standing with Jesus. So I'd like you to ask yourself this question. If you were to die in the next 24 hours, where would you spend your eternity? God says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. So where is your hope? Where does your hope lie? Where do you put your trust? Do you put it on earthly systems, or do you put it on the Lord Jesus Christ? Shall we bow our heads in prayer, please? Father, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you, Lord God, for your grace. We thank you, Lord God, that you say in your word that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, oh Father. Lord, I want to lift, Lord, those that have put their hands up this morning, oh Father, that, Lord, they want to make that recommitment into your kingdom, oh Father. I pray, Lord God, that, Lord, you will meet them at their point of need, oh God. I pray, oh Father, that, Lord God, you will renew their spirit, Lord God, that, Lord, as they come to you, oh Father, they will no longer feel empty, oh Father, because, Lord, it is the lie of the enemy, oh God. You are always there, oh God. You never leave nor forsake. Lord, your word says, even if we go to the depths of the sea, you are there with us. Even if we go down into, the, into hell, Lord, you are there with us, oh Father. Lord, I pray, oh Father, that Lord, this morning, as they recommit their lives to you, oh Lord God, they will meet with you, oh Father, and Lord, you will unlock that potential within them, oh Father. I pray, Lord God, for those that have been struggling, Lord God, not knowing which way, which direction to take, oh God, I pray, oh Father, that this morning, oh God, that Lord, you will give them that clear direction, Lord God, and that they will know, Father, that Lord, your word says we should choose life and that Lord they will choose life because Lord that's what you want to give them life and abundant life oh father I pray oh God that Lord they will surrender their lives to you and Lord God as they come to you oh father you will do mighty and majestic things in their lives oh God I pray, Lord God, for the release of your anointing, to the release of your gifts, O oh Father, the release, O oh Father, of your healing this morning, O oh God. I pray, O oh Father, for those, O oh God, that are suffering from depression, Lord God, that, Lord, they will be set free in the name of Jesus. I pray, O oh Father, for those that are having beggars in their mind, oh God, I pray that the lies will depart in the name of Jesus and they will know your truth, Lord God, and your truth will set them free. Lord, I want to thank you that you are a good God. You say, Lord, in your word that with you nothing shall be impossible. And Lord, I pray that as we go out this week, that Lord God, we will be glory carriers, oh Father. And that Lord, wherever we step, oh Father, we will possess the land, oh Father. And that Lord, we will stand tall and we will stand with boldness, oh Father, knowing that you are for us, oh God. And now, Lord, 
nothing, nothing shall separate us from your love. I thank you, Lord. I give you glory. I give you honor. And I give you praise, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.